The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast, hosted by Flamingo CEO Jude Chi. Welcome, friends of the rebellion, and may the force be with you. So on our latest interview for uh, Flamingo's Apartmentalized Top Leadership interview series or video series, uh, we have Stephanie Anderson of Grace Hill. So you've actually been in the industry for a while, um, from a site team role to the supplier side to a few other things within it. And I also saw that you did some fashion, you were like a fashion consultant as well too. So you've done quite a few different things. So we'll love to learn a little bit more about your experience in the industry, what got you into it, what you do at Grace Hill, what Grace Hill does a role. I mean, I know what they do, and a lot of yes. people know what they do, but I think there are some people that don't know what they do. Absolutely. Uh, Happy to share. So I've been in the industry for 15 years now, yeah. which some days that seems like nothing, yeah. and other days it seems, seems like, like forever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I started in the site level role, a part-time leasing consultant while I was in college. No real intentions to stay in property yeah. management. As I many have like us. yet to meet anyone that was like, when I was five years old, yeah. I saw a property manager and I immediately knew that's what I wanted to be. I Unless feel like it's a family business, it. it's very rare that that yeah. happens. Now we are seeing that more with those entering college yeah. and having property management programs, but mm-hmm. I would say the majority never it's had like those you dreams. You fall into it and then it sucks you in yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're here to stay. Yeah. And that's, that's what happened to me. No yeah. real intentions, but throughout the 15 years, I've served a multitude of levels mm-hmm. and just kind of working my way up from a regional through director roles with management companies. Yeah. I took a neat transition a couple of years ago, worked for two years for NAA, who hosts Apartmentalize, yeah. working on the nonprofit association side as really yeah. an opportunity to give back to the industry. Never thought I would end up on the supplier side. Yep. So I've kind of made this full circle. Yeah. yeah. And it's been cool because now it gives me a different perspective, right? That the average person may not have who's only worked in one of those three segments. Yeah. Interestingly enough, it's been really unique. I've been with Grace Hill for about seven months now. Yeah. I'm their senior director of content strategy. Yeah. That's just a famous word, you know, hoity-toity. But basically, I help develop content for their end users, our clients, um, how they digest content, how yeah. they learn better in the industry. And, you know, we're so much more now than just a LMS system, a yeah. learning management system, which is what we're most known for. Yeah. We're a, a full performance loop. So we have an opportunity to do surveys and secret shops and policies in addition to the education that and the content that you digest and so it's it's great it's been a a whirlwind (laughs) so in terms of like that lms element like for properties that utilize you all like how do you help either the site teams the regional teams so what does that education look like for them so it's all online Mm -hmm. which is great and this was all pre-pandemic so we really saw the need for it more so than ever 
September when everything hit with COVID. But we're all online, which means it allows your users to dictate when they can learn, when they have the time to learn, and how they learn that content. So some of it is micro learning, really short, what we call boosters, like quick snippets of information they can digest and apply. And then there's your much larger, longer liability type courses, fair housing, which is something that everyone needs in the industry, sexual harassment, drug-free workplace, so forth and so on. Um, But then there's all these great courses that are customized to the company themselves, and they can actually add in their own courses too. So if they're doing any type of training, whether it's just a video they're doing or a live training, they can put that into the system as well. So it documents the employee journey in terms of their education, and what I love is that it's going to build career paths. So when we talk about the industry and people elevating themselves, that I'm so passionate about growth, they have the opportunity to do that. So think about it in terms of like a university, a college-type program. And I imagine that's super useful to have that ability because like everyone knows the industry their turnover is high yes people move around a lot people change a lot so having something like that that makes it really simple to kind of plug and play to say hey you are the new leasing consultant here yes or you just got promoted to this now you have to learn all these things so just log in yes. and access all of that information yes so for you guys uh why the focus specifically on multifamily i see you guys are focused primarily on multifamily we are you know we're a technology-based company and we just saw a need for it in the market more so than any other market we have dabbled in commercial and we will continue to expand in commercial as well but multifamily will always be the bread and butter so yeah. to speak it's, it's very interesting industry it so is. I, I love it yeah. and you can never give enough education when you talked about the high turnover yeah. our industry is higher turnover but the one thing that no matter what company you go to you keep forever is that education and yeah. experience you gain yeah. and we're able to give that to not just companies but individuals. Yeah. Oh, wow. So then that kind of segments us nicely to employee engagement, employee retention, staff experience. So I guess the big question for me is in multifamily, why is this such a high turnover? I think it's a combination of of things. You know, obviously we're in a pandemic and we have what's been termed the great resignation happening. And with that, there's going to be higher turnover than usual. But I think multifamily, your your requirements to work in this industry, it's very fast paced. There's no two days that are alike. And sometimes it can make or break people, this industry. Uh, And and especially when you talk about the company culture they work for. Is is it an inclusive culture? Is it supportive? Um, is, Is it something you want to grow into and do you have people to help you to do that and so you'll see that the companies that have the lower turnover are the ones that are really investing in the employees themselves yeah. um, you know I I think that we're going to see higher turnover as we continue throughout 2021 interestingly enough we did some data uh, about what was going on in NAA had data from up to 2019. So about 2010 to 2019, it showed 33% was kind of the average turnover. It's now up to over 50%. Oh my God. Yes. So that, but that's because of the pandemic. It's because one, people are prioritizing their time differently. Two, they're demanding more work flexibility in the workplace. So if the company isn't able to give that, it's just not a fit for them. And three, I think people just realize where they need to spend their most time. If you're not passionate about what you're doing each and every day, what's the point? A multifamily is a difficult industry, especially if you're a site team member. Yes. You have pressure from the residents, from the corporate teams, from the owner, from the asset manager. Yes. So you have all these elements 
that creates so much also like mental exhaustion yes. so it's no surprise that the turnover will be high or at this point in time people just realize okay maybe this really isn't for me yes. so then how does a company like Grace Hill or what you guys do help combat that well you know obviously investing it goes back to that education and when we think about everything that happened last year or in the past 18 months yeah. we have focused on education specific to the pandemic in terms of how are you evolving how are your operations changing yeah. uh, what are the best practices that you should be thinking about but I think outside of that it's also important to think about other things that happened last year racial injustice yeah. the changing in the dynamics how do your employees feel yeah. you know I always say when you ask an employee how are you don't just ask because it's like hey how are you today yeah. it's you wait for a response and then you give an authentic response to that because it's that caring dynamic of yeah. are you okay because there is so much happening around us yeah. and I don't know that any of us are truly okay yeah. but I think for Grace Hill it's it's a matter of us asking those questions helping to embrace that culture encourage your companies to ask those questions yeah. and then we actually have surveys so we acquired Kingsley surveys and that's an opportunity for you to ask your residents how they're doing and yeah. what they want to, to see better yeah. but asking your employees how are things what can we do better yeah. and then you actually have to take that data and but utilize do it about it yeah it's not I, just ask that we no. actually have to imp review and then find solutions and then actually implement those solutions and Absolutely. then retest again to see if those solutions have actually changed the dynamic yeah make meaningful decisions based on that too often we collect all this data and we get overwhelmed with it yeah. and then we don't know what to do yeah. and I'm not saying you collect it all and you have to change 20 Everything. things tomorrow yeah. decide what's most important in that moment and what you can address and and your employees will start to see that you're making change yeah. that's impactful to them even if it's not exactly what they asked for yeah. so one thing that you mentioned is uh, for Grace so you guys acquired Kingsley so now you do both employee and then resident service as well to measure staff experience and then resident experience. For me, I've always felt like those two are very interconnected. So how do you, how can a property management company balance them? How do you balance uh, staff experience with resident experience? And how do those two like complement each other? They definitely complement each other or the opposite could happen. Yeah. You know, when we think about employees, there's always that methodology of happy employees equal happy residents. Yeah. If your employees are well taken care of, they feel like they're a part of something much larger in their organization, they're happy to be there and they want to be there. Yeah. Well, that then produces this great result that's contagious with, with residents. So when resident comes in and they're frustrated because they can't pay their rent or they're yeah. frustrated because their service request wasn't taken care yeah. of to their satisfaction, if you have disgruntled employees, that escalates the situation tremendously yeah. versus is the happy employee that wants to be there and yeah. wants to make an impact yeah. wants to make that resident experience so, so much better yeah. and and it's it, and it's going to go out both and beyond to find a solution if yes. they can't solve it like right away yes so looking at uh, some of what the data you guys have found like what have been some of those core issues that do impact employee retention or engagement outside of like the pandemic 
repeat that question a little bit for me so I yeah. make sure I'm heading in the right direction. Yeah, so from all your data, what are some like what are some of the core things that impact retention? So why are people leaving outside of the pandemic? Sure. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing is the demand for flexibility. Pre-pandemic, we knew back in 2019 that this was kind of where it was trending. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is seeing the younger generations entering the workplace. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the older generations that technically would be exiting the workplace. Yeah. But because of lack of money and resources and, you know, various aspects, they're staying in the workplace longer. But they don't necessarily want to work 40 plus hours yeah. a week. So now you're starting to see people say, okay, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. But I can't be here all, all the time. time. And what does that look like? Yeah. So our data showed in 2019 that it, we were already trending that way. Wow. What the pandemic did was it pushed that. it, accelerated hugely, yeah. which is kind of good in a lot of ways yeah. because sometimes I'll say in multifamily, we are a little bit slower to adapt. When we compare to like the hospitality industry, yeah, they move a lot quicker. Wow. We tend to move a little bit slower. So I don't want to say that the pandemic was great for us, but I think when, when we look at the bright mirror, side, yeah. it did. And yeah. it really changed in some ways that I think has has been good for yeah. our industry. So then, do you think it's possible to have that flexibility? And what does that look like? So if I am a leasing agent or a property manager or a maintenance manager or maintenance tech, what does flexibility look like and how is it possible? Can I lease for XYZ apartment without being on site? As a property manager, can I manage the property without being on site five days per week? What does that look like? How do I do it? I love this question yeah. because one of the most powerful questions I get when I bring up flexibility in the workplace is, okay, if you're at the corporate level or you're a supplier partner, that makes sense. You kind of write your own schedule. Yeah. What about those that are on site and the resident experience is highly dependent upon yeah. being there in person? Yeah. What does it look like? Well, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do. Technology is key here in terms of what can complement what you're already doing. When we talk about AI and technology, there's always that nervousness that are we trying to cut back on people's jobs? And to me, I disagree with that completely. I think that it's allowing you to redirect your focus to what matters most. So part of flexibility in the workplace could be something so simple as staggering schedules. So if you have a three-person office and your hours are nine to six, okay, so the first person comes in at eight to 8.30 to make sure that everything's going to be perfect for opening. But then they're leaving earlier in the day. The middle person is working a middle shift and then the end person is coming in later. So that's great if they need to get their kids to school or take care of things and versus the other person who needs to leave earlier in the day. It allows that flexibility. Now, flexibility can also be taking longer lunch breaks. You know, we're so accustomed to the standard 30 minute or one hour lunch break. What if we come in earlier? So we're still getting in the same amount of hours if that person wants to be full time, but they're taking a longer lunch break so that they can go to a doctor's appointment, yeah. go to the grocery store, run errands, oh, whatever. Recharge. Recharges batteries because yeah. again, you brought up mental health yeah. and the impact that that's having on the site teams. Let them take a breath. Yeah. Um, so those are some simple ways. Outside of that, I would say, you know, define what your core business hours are and then help to retrain residents. Okay, so if residents are accustomed at your property where they can come in anytime from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., let's yeah. say, and they know someone's physically there, they're going to do it. But if you have a resident portal that allows service requests yep. on there, it allows uh, paying 
online, yeah. that's a simple fix. If you have um, automated locks at your system, so smart yeah. locks, they can access that without maintenance having to do um, you know yeah. any of the lockouts, amenities, having fobs to be able to access things. Yeah. It, it, it will cost you money in the beginning, but the, the lasting impact that yeah. we have, it's an investment. I love that you brought that up because that was literally going to be my next question, <laughs> which is how do you utilize technology to drive flexibility and create like more self-service for residents? So you've kind of already touched on that. Yes. Yeah. And self-service is great, but you definitely still want to complement that with the ability for the end user, the resident or prospect to make that decision. Yeah. I always give the example, I love Target. Mm-hmm. I love to shop at Target and I like the self-checkout line. Yeah. But my husband always is like, why would you do that when yeah. someone's right here with a register? Yeah. Well, I like to make sure that the prices are ringing up right. Mm-hmm. I, I bagged it how I want to bag it. Yeah. And I also, it's, it's just for me, it's that experience that I prefer. And if I've had a long day, I don't want to be snippy with the person at the register. Yeah. I want to be able to do what I need to do and leave. Yeah. So why are we not allowing our prospective residents or residents to have that same experience? Yeah. If they want to talk with a chat bot online yeah. or they want to enter a service request or if they want to physically come to the office because they need that human connection. Yeah. It's got to be that that combination of the two. Yeah, so it's really a level of personalization. Yes. So when you think about that, how do you really figure out like what level of personalization you need to provide and what have you found the best properties do? Because at the end of the day, you are absolutely right. Some people prefer the self-checkout where it's like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm going to keep my headphones on. Yes. Other people are like, I paid for all of this. Like I want someone to just like bag it for me. So in property management, how do you differentiate uh, what those event personas are? You know, there's not a one size fits all. And that's tough because we're a fast paced moving industry and it's easier for us to kind of check a box and say yeah. it's done and move on. And it really takes a lot more thought provoking activity. And I always say surveys are your best route. And, and you know, I don't want to self promote our company. It could be any survey. Yeah. For goodness, you could use SurveyMonkey, right? Yeah. As a free product. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's getting the feedback. And the people you want the feedback from are those that are on the front lines, your employees. Yeah. And those that are living in your communities, they're paying rent and let them dictate to you how they prefer to communicate, how they prefer to interact with people and what they want. And then you make those decisions again, grabbing that data and then making the decisions moving forward. Um, I think some of it is going to depend on your demographics of your property. Some of it is going to be based on competition, because if you know the company across the street is doing something that is gaining them, uh, you know, more interaction with residents and engagement, they've got higher renewal rates, they're able to increase rents more. Okay, well, you're going to have to to push that through. Um, But yeah, I think it's, you really have to analyze each community and the team and implement what makes most sense there. Yeah. So this is another uh, random question, but... I like the random questions. (laughs) So from all the data that you guys have gathered, what are some of the other surprising facts you found? Communication seems to be something that we we are cognizant on the property management side of not over communicating because you don't want to stress residents and employees out. So oftentimes we assume, and you know what that means, we're assuming things when realistically people don't know what they don't know. And even if you send texts and emails and have conversations, um, we only are retaining about 20% of that. So then what does that mean? It means that we have to communicate more and better 
and more effectively. And, you know, some of the things that are put in place at properties, processes, uh, they fall through the cracks or they don't evolve with with the changing of times and what makes sense. And so then who takes the brunt of that is going to be your residents and your employees. And so I think really communicating and digging in to policies just because you had the same policy 10 years ago and it's the whole it's not broke don't fix it it is broke because it hasn't evolved and changed with the times so ask people what makes most sense and then make those changes so at like a large property management company like let's say a gray star and then at a smaller one with 40 uh, like a 40 building portfolio who should be responsible for something like that you know sometimes the owners are heavily involved I mean even with something like a great star of the world when you have third-party management you have some owners that are very and intrusive of what's happening on the site level and then you have some that all they care about is the bottom line so as long as the numbers make sense you kind of figure out the rest Um, again I think it goes back to that one size does not fit all approach Um, you're gonna have to be more cognizant when you talk about a smaller portfolio or property because you don't have the budget that a great star 600 unit Mm -hmm. property is going to have so you have to think about what are you implementing at your property and does it make sense is it not only cost effective but does it make sense in the long run Mm -hmm. you know when we talk about PMS systems and the software that that properties use oftentimes they say well it's such a huge expense can't I just keep a paper trail believe it or not there are people that still do it paper wise but then what what are you jeopardizing like your customer experience probably because you're taking more time and focusing on something that may not be as impactful to, to the resident. So looking at other industries, like why do you think real estate is so hesitant to adopt new technology? <laughs> like why that challenge? Because looking at it from our company perspective, when we see a new technology, we evaluate like, hey, is this going to eliminate 30 minutes from someone's day? If it yes. is, we adopt it. Is this going to save us X, Y, Z or give us like more visibility yes. into something that right now is like a black box? We adopt it. So for real estate, it seems like there's a huge amount of hesitation, like you mentioned, to adopt new technology, to utilize software, like you mentioned, not to take away people's jobs, but to reduce where they spend time on. Like someone shouldn't be spending time with an Excel sheet trying to manually track uh, maintenance requests or amenities. All of that can be automated. So why do you think, a a roundabout way to ask, why isn't real estate adopting technology at a faster pace. And it's interesting because real estate is the one thing you hear out there that doesn't lose its value and you should invest in it long term. But then when we think about the technology aspect, we're on the slow boat. Um, If you want my opinion based on what I've seen, what I've experienced, Mm -hmm. there is a lack of diversity Mm -hmm. and at the decision making table. So when we start to talk about C-suite and above, Mm -hmm. there's also going to be a combination of that change management, you know, uh, are we overloading our teams with too much change in technology, which then causes unnecessary stress and pressure. Yes, that's important. But I think when you look at your board of directors, when your companies or your C-suite levels, your decision makers, are there different perspectives? Again, it goes back to what I said, the the don't, it's not broke, don't fix it mentality. Are we bringing people to the table with fresh ideas, new experiences? I'm talking about ethnic backgrounds. I'm talking about sexuality. I'm I'm talking about experience. Um, So if you have everyone
someone over the age of 50, for, for instance, at the board, they're going to be seeing things in a different way than had yeah. you added people uh, of a different age range. Yeah. And so diversity to me is going to begin to make those decisions better yeah. because hey guys, broader this, thoughts. It doesn't make sense. Like, yes. Let's not do it that way. Yes. Yeah. Challenge it. Challenge the status quo. Yeah. And you're not going to have that unless you get fresh blood. Yeah. New people, new perspective that's coming yeah. into the room. What I would say is, if I own real estate, the question I will always ask myself is, how would Apple run this apartment? Like, what would that experience look like for the staff and for the residents? That's a great thought. I've yeah. never thought about that before. Yeah. It would be very different. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and you say if you uh, if you own real estate, yeah. let's say when you own real estate, right? right? Nice. Yeah. Let's, let's shoot positive, big. Positive thinking. I love that. Positive thinking. <laughs> so, thank you so much for being on. Oh my gosh, this thank you for having awesome. me. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. I told you I love the pink. I'm excited about Flamingo and the things that you all are doing. Oh, thank you. And I'm Appreciate so glad it. you're here at Departmentalize. Oh, oh, thank you. Our first time here. So very excited Welcome. to be here. Yeah. A little overwhelming, I'm sure, at oh, yeah. times. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a lot. A great yeah. experience. Yeah. So I always finish with...